When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking with Catherine Sled. Catherine is a trauma-informed coach currently pursuing her master's in counseling psychology. Her work is focused on helping people discover what they desire through exploring the ways their past is playing out in their present relational patterns and how understanding their friendship story can help them find the community they long for. She is the author of How to Be a Bad Friend, The Hidden Life of Failed Relationships, a book about friendship and friend breakups. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be here again. Yeah. So you've been here before. You're one of the episodes I get the most DMs about. So I'm so pumped to have you back. That's so sweet. I love that. Yeah. And you're like one of my favorite people. Like you're like, we were friends like in real life. (laughs) The feeling is mutual. Yeah. Oh. Um, so I brought you on this time because I was having a conversation with the podcast last week after a therapy session I had. We were talking about friendship breakups and I was kind of processing that. And we talked about it last week. And I was like, wait, I actually have a friend who literally wrote the book on this and I should ask her to come on. <laughs> so I'm so excited you're here. Well, thanks for having me. Um, so what caused you to want to write the book, How to Be a Bad Friend? Uh, deep and utter loneliness and the pain of it. <laughs> I think it's, I was sitting there and I felt like I had nothing. And that's kind of where the idea kind of sparked of just like, oh, well, what if you wrote about that? Um, mm-hmm. And so not hearing anyone talk about it, not feeling like I had anyone um, to talk with about the friendship breakups that I'd been through and being like, I can't be the only one having that crazy enough thought that you're like, you feel totally alone, but the truth is you're not. And so what if you then create something from that space? So Mm. that's, that's where it came from. So you talk a lot about like a friendship story. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and what that looks like for us? For sure. Um, I think we like the idea of narrative and story. Like we engage them in our play. We engage them in like our, we're reading books or novels or movies or in like therapy. We talk a lot about what is your family of origin? Where did you come from? Um, but we've kind of like have this little gap about not noticing the narrative we've had about friendship all along because, you know, whether we did, did or did not have playmates or we were popular or we weren't popular, we all have a story 
with friendship itself as a larger narrative and then with each individual particular friend that we've known. However, if it's lasted, you know, for our whole lives to this point or if, you know, they've come in and out or whatever. And I think that looking at something in a narrative form where we have like, where did we come from? Where are we going as a friend? Helps us connect more with ourselves about what we're looking for in friendship or the places where we're finding pain or dissatisfaction or heartache. Um, we can see kind of the some common themes and threads if we sort of take a look at friendship and our encounter with it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So kind of like how is this – it is interesting because I, I hear you saying kind of like going back even into elementary school and it does feel like very similar – patterns and stories mm-hmm. for me at least. So it's interesting to think about, do you find that that's the case for most of us? Um, for the people that I've like talked with, just like I talk, writing the book itself, I was talking to everybody and asking them questions about like, what's where your experience around friendship or if they were like, oh, you're writing a book, what's it about? Every time, like pretty much without fail, people would bring up a story from middle school. So I would say that that becomes a really pivotal time, which also shows up in research and other data, especially if you're um, born female, like that girls are um, mm-hmm. encountering a lot of social stressors at that age. So um, that's where I would hear a theme of the story. But then I think as you start to think about it more, part of our question as adults is like, why is it so hard to make friends when it was so easy in kindergarten? Like what's mm-hmm. what's the big difference here? So there, we're, we're thinking about the story without like realizing we're thinking about the story of our friendships. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like I, my story is interacting with your story mm-hmm. as we try to like make this thing. <laughs> yes, 100%. Yeah, exactly it. Mm-hmm. And we both have like our brains are going to seek familiarity and comfort in that familiarity. And so therefore we'll make assumptions or search for fulfillment that we're not even aware of that we're doing with our friend. And sometimes that can be a really beautiful meeting place. And sometimes it can be a big clash. Yeah. Um, Okay. And one of the things you talk about a lot is like conflict and friendship and how Mm -hmm. kind of how we often don't want to pursue conflict and friendship Mm-hmm. Can yeah. we talk a little bit about that? Like, what do you what do you find like causes us to avoid conflict? And yeah, let's start there. I mean, I think at the most basic and kind level is time. We spend time with our friends because we enjoy each other, and it's a place where we can kind of get a break for a lot from a lot of the things that are stressors outside of us, like in our life. But what happens when that comes into the friendship? When we're not talking about something outside of the friendship. We're talking about something between us. And that can be really unexpected because we're just mm-hmm. used to spending our time together on things that are fun. So that's that's place one. But the other thing about it is then it starts to bleed into all the ways that we haven't been taught how to have conflict, what conflict means about us, what conflict means about the other person. And generally, like that brings up a lot of shame. And we might not be able to even name that, but we're kind of told that our barometer for health in a friendship is one that doesn't have a need for conflict or doesn't have any messiness gets into it. When in reality, Mm. like that's what it means to be human. Yeah, man. I, I was recently talking to Obes about how like he's the first relationship that I fought for. 
Mm. I mean, and I have friendships who I've like sustained, but we've always kind of just been like, well, there's a conflict. We'll kind of like take a break and come back. And, but Mm -hmm. he's like the first relationship that I'm like, oh, we're going to get into it. We're going to like deal with it. What is, Mm -hmm. what, what's it like to one? Well, how do we do conflict well? Because I know (laughs) like, let's, I'm sure there's many of us who like try conflict and it's like, you're learning how to walk for the first time. Right. And like, we're going to get it, make it weird. What can it look like when we do it? Well, what can it look like when we're kind of figuring it out for the first time? Yeah. Well, I actually want to come back to what you just said about your connection and your partnership, your, your marriage, like that fighting for is really powerful. And I've been thinking about this lately because I, I also have that experience in my relationship with Nate um, fighting for. And I, I'm thinking about like, what's the difference between where we stay or where we go? And I think that it's love. Like, and so I think, you know, fundamentally, do you want to have conflict in your friendships? Do you have the, the love that's here for staying power? And no, no judgment. If you don't, that's okay. But I think that that mm-hmm. becomes like a central point. Like, are you willing to stay? Is this other person willing to stay? And is that real for both of you? Or is one of you actually so scared or just so done that that honesty mm-hmm. needs to be brought forward? So I think at the core, like, how can we start with what's most honest? Because then that will invite whether there can be dialogue or not. And that way, no one actually mm-hmm. is being pushed away in themselves. Because as you said, it gets weird really fast. Like, mm-hmm. we leave our bodies, we armor up, like to use kind of Brene Brown's language. We tell ourselves a story about what's happened. We think that we're being clear when we're actually really not because we're being clear to us, Mm -hmm. but we're actually scared to tell the truth to our friend. So that's a lot right there. Like it's really messy. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't answer the question of how to do it well, but I think it comes at it like, do do you want this? Do you want to fight for this? Do you want to stay? Yeah. What happens? Because I think most of us, right, we have one or the other that we're kind of lean toward, like Mm -hmm. someone who's more willing to stay and someone who's more quick to go. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we probably, I could be wrong, but I think we might be opposites. Like I'm quick to go. I'm like, Mm -hmm. this isn't Mm -hmm. feeling good. I'm out. (laughs) And I think you, you have like, um, what I feel like is like more, you're more likely to stay. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's probably accurate. I don't know that I would have known or said that about you had you not like said that. But yes, mm-hmm. I am definitely more like to stay, which kind of comes back to that. What do you desire question? What do you want in your friendships? Or what do you want out of this conflict? Is that for me, my story with friendship is a lot of abrupt endings. So hello, I wrote a book mm-hmm. about being broken up with all the time. And so it's like this question of like, I'm, I'm here to stay and see what happens, even if we're not going to make it, um, mm-hmm. because I have curiosity there. I have wounding there. Um, I have a little bit of masochism there where I will stay too long when I should have been out the door, actually. So it's been, how do I be with my own dignity of who gets, who gets the benefit mm-hmm. of the beauty of my willingness to stay in difficulty? Ooh. Yeah. It's the benefit of the beauty of my willingness to stay. Yeah. That is so powerful. Yeah. It's okay. So interrupted. It's a, 
No, no. I think, well, it's like, I, I go fast, but really also the slowing down of it, of like, it is a privilege to get to have conflict with someone. Mm. And I think, you know, underneath the core of me advocating for us to be able to talk about friend breakups, to be able to end our friendships without shame, to be able to have conflict without shame is a desire for us to experience what it's like when we actually get to know each other in a place of danger and difference um, Mm. rather than walking away. Because I think um, there's so much more to be discovered on the other side of that. Yeah. Man, I I do feel like I'm learning a lot this year about the importance of community and the importance of like having people to mirror back to you and like reflect you to yourself and how like I come from like this like hyper independent place of like I got it, I can take care of myself, I don't need anybody. And then like Obi kind of broke that for me a little bit, you know, and he's kind of like, let's create space where you do need me. Let's like allow a need here. Um, And then moving into now, okay, what does it look like to do this in friendship and in community? Mm -hmm. And I think the area of that I've struggled with the most is when there's differing values. And that's what I'm navigating is like, I feel I tend to do this pattern cat where I go, I can't do this friendship. This doesn't feel good to me. I have an issue here. I'm out. Then mm-hmm. I go, oh, I'm such a bad person for doing that. I'm so I why mm-hmm. did I do that? I shouldn't have done that. You know, I hurt this person. Now I feel really bad. But mm-hmm. I don't want that relationship. I know that I probably don't, but but I started it too hot, if that makes sense. Like I came in like I love you. We're great. <laughs> Everything's wonderful. Um, and I am trying to unwind that, right? Like going mm-hmm. into warm and then ending too abruptly, but also kind of learning to recognize when do I want this relationship and when do I not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's basically just a confession. <laughs> but I'm curious, like, one, can we talk about what does it feel like on the other end of that, like on the recipient's mm-hmm. end of that? And when we start to unwind both of these patterns, the like staying when we shouldn't and leaving a little too soon or or giving kind of like a bait and switch, like what mm-hmm. is that – what do we do? How do I get better? Yeah. Well, that's so funny. Like it's like, well, first of all, can we just be there? Like mm-hmm. cool. You know yourself. Like, Mm. and I'm just like, you're, what I hear you saying is like, you're learning you the way that I'm learning me and like our own experiences of, I need to slow way down when things get tough and pay really close attention to Mm. certain things in me that are coming up, my exhaustion, um, how close I feel to whether I'm setting myself for being humiliated. And what you're sharing is this sense of like, Um, I'm ready to go. Like I love Taylor Swift's, you know, her song, you know, when it's time to go, like your Mm -hmm. sensation, your sensitivity to yourself is really close there, but then it actually kind of, you double down after the fact in like Mm -hmm. a little bit of accusation. So I would, I like, that's where I'm like, this is what, this is what we're working with as opposed to being like, is the intention for you to stay in friendships longer 
or is mm-hmm. the intention to just sort of like what it what does this mean like does that make sense mm-hmm. in kind of like creating that curious space um, yeah I love that because it's like not a I'm like give me the like good bad right wrong give me like, yes, right and you're yeah. like actually let's take let's come back from that a little bit yeah and we do that we do that like that bifurcation of like putting things in those polarized spaces of good, bad, right, wrong, because we're protecting ourselves. Um, So it's like um, in psychoanalysis, it's an unconscious defense structure. So it means Mm -hmm. that we don't know we're doing it, which annoys the heck out of me. I'm like, someday I will have nothing unconscious, (laughs) but like, because it's so vulnerable. Um, But when we're like accusing ourselves or, or we're, or we're, maybe self-aggrandizing like we're trying to protect Mm -hmm. so what what are we trying to protect there so it's kind of like how do we do it how do we get better it's more um what's happening in the space between you what's Mm -hmm. happening in that accusation like to me it sounds like where I would be curious you know is like what would it feel like if you felt good when you left a friendship or do you feel good or are you afraid Mm -hmm. of feeling good like those would be my questions you know, not to analyze you, but like that would be Mm -hmm. where I would be playing with like what's happening here. Does that make sense or? Yeah, yeah. those are stunning questions. Um, And so what I hear you saying is let's look at, is this a relationship where the love is here to the point where I would like to have conflict and that conflict is a privilege, Mm -hmm. um, which I loved that reframe. And so when we we go, okay, yes, I, the love is here. I want to enter into this conflict. Um, mm-hmm. I do think it's worth having this conversation. What if we're open to conflict and they don't want to? Yeah, that is so tough. I think that's one of the greatest heartbreaks. Mm-hmm. Um, is and, and again, we're talking to somebody who's like, I'm, I've got a staying power that's uh, too high. I need to like work on that. Um, so it's really painful to be willing to show up like in a weird way. It's like, <laughs> makes me think of like unrequited love. Um, cause you're willing to be there and there's a vulnerability to willing to be there. And then someone says no. And so that is just a rough place to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I think you can make invitations to it. And maybe what I would say is it definitely needs to be mutual. If it's not being mutual, then somebody's shutting down themselves. But maybe why we don't see mutuality and conflict is, um, I've been thinking about this the other day. Um, in one of the trainings I did several years ago, somebody taught about intentionality and their name's Cindy Mesmer. So I want to, I always like to give credit where credit's due. Um, an incredible therapist who does incredible work. And she talks about how important it is in family of origin trauma or in other trauma stories to get very, very clear about the intentionality. Because you actually, when it comes to the states like of, of abuse, you'll never truly um, access the depth of harm that you've suffered until the level of intentionality is named. So a relationship mm-hmm. that is common for us to excuse is that of our parents. And we will actually work with the intentions of our parents in order to stay in relationship with them. Does that, does that make sense? Are we yeah. talking? What I find to yeah. be really interesting though, and this is sort of like a little bit more psychoanalysis is I feel like friendship bears the burden of holding accountability that actually belongs to somebody else. 
Because if you think about it, Mm. a lot of friendship is built on trust and rapport and it's a slow process. Someone's done like the data of like how many hours it is for a close friend or whatever. So what's interesting to me about what, if we think about our unwillingness to have conflict or someone's willing and someone's not, what is it, what is it a symptom of? What is it a symbol of? And if we look at it as a representation of something bigger, that I think for a lot of us, we have not been able to hold accountable the people we should have been able to hold accountable like that. Mm-hmm. And we express it with the friend where we're like, nope, we're done. Yeah. As opposed to actually our friend more than likely, and I'm not saying that friendships can't actually hold harm or other history like that. However, a lot of times, and I'll see this in myself too, like I'm ready to instantaneously like make a, make a judgment. Um, which when I sit with it, I start to pay attention to other people I haven't held accountable, who I've given the benefit of the doubt to, who I've let kind of like move in and out of excusing their intentions. And we don't actually sit with the true intentionality of our friend. We don't, we don't let that matter. We don't. Yeah. And so I'll say one more thing to close this off. It is important that when we hurt someone or when there's pain and conflict that that is acknowledged without like using intentions as excuses, but in relationships of mutual trust, intentions matter. Like Mm -hmm. that's part of what allows us to have conflict is that we know the other person is there for our good or did not intend to harm. Mm. Does that make sense? Or yeah, that was a long, that was a long thing. No, it's good. I think what I'm hearing is you saying, okay, so we have these situations often in our family of origin where we are not off, we are offering the benefit of the doubt, but then it's almost mm-hmm. like the, we are quick to offer consequences to someone who reminds us of that mm-hmm. later in life because those, we weren't able to articulate that when it was actually necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then so this is probably where we're getting so much like rampant use of the word toxic or we're overusing some of these clinical terms for people saying like, Mm -hmm. oh, they're, they're this kind of person because they're like reminding you of someone Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. did need consequences. Yep. Yep. Which I know you have like a soapbox on the word toxic. Can we talk about that? Sure. I toxic is a toxic friendship is one that can't metabolize conflict. That's the, Mm. that's the story. Like that's what makes it toxic because we can actually ingest things that would kill us in other ways. Um, I tell the story in the book about my toddler dipping his pacifier in a bowl of kills paint, which if you don't know is Mm. one of the most like dangerous things, but if you inhale it, I literally to this day, like, like slow-mo, like can Mm -hmm. see him and just freaking out. Like, how did this get left out? It was just one of those freakish Mm -hmm. moments and calling poison control. mean, like he's going to die. My kid's going to die. Like, Mm. and um, like, how could I have, how did I not see this happening? Blah, blah, blah. And she was just like, Oh, he'll be fine. As long as he didn't breathe it in. And if he breathes it in, then he may die. And he was fine. It'll go right through your body if you swallow it. But if you breathe it, it, that's really not good. Um, we don't have to get into that. So I think about it, like, how is conflict entering the friendship? How is harm entering the friendship? How is it actually entering the friendship? And where did it come? Where did it, where are we used to that experience from our story? Have we been breathing mm-hmm. in something toxic our whole lives? So we get a whiff of it and we think, oh, this is danger, danger, danger. Um, mm-hmm. 
Or could we realize that actually there might be the opportunity to write a new story? Mm. And again, do you want, do you want to? Mm -hmm. Do you think that we also experience repeat patterns from our childhood in the friendships we form on the other end? Like we find ourselves in, like, I think through the lens of the Enneagram, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I turned into a seven because of partially genetics, partially the way I was raised, but I created these patterns. And then it's almost Mm -hmm. like I trained everyone in my life to need that from me or want that from me until I started Mm -hmm. kind of undoing it. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think, yeah, do you think we tend to like receive from friends what we received in childhood? Yeah, I mean, definitely we're, we're looking for, I think your use of the word trained is really like so honest and I'm like oh it makes me cringe for me um because I think a lot of the ways like we we also do that like for what we deserve like the bear like in some sense like um you know if we're scared to be enjoyed or we're scared of you know we we can be scared of so many good things just as much as like bad things um Mm -hmm. and so we train people to like meet that tolerable level of like okay, I can take this much criticism and I can take this much delight and like Ooh. no more, no less, or I will, I will, I will cut you. Like this, it's just like, wow, and yeah. I, I think cause we're, we're scared of goodness as much as we're scared of like darkness, which is, I had a, a funny thought the other day. I've been recognizing it's been really sweet. Um, but I've had a few exciting things happen and I have recognized that I've like dialed my friend so fast and been like, I can't hold this by myself. I need help. Mm. Like I'm too excited. I'm too happy. And which Mm. has been an interesting experience because like we all want our friend that we can call when we're like ready to melt into the floor from anxiety or whatever. And, you know, I think there's such a sweetness Mm. in like needing and being needed and and helping each other through that. But like we need each other to help hold like the the good as well. So anyways, I was just like, oh, so interesting. But to come back to what you're saying, like, yeah, noticing that, bringing it into awareness, like, what are, what are we, ex- what do we believe that we're worthy of in friendship? And what do we like expect to get in return? Um, and how is that actually telling more of a truth about our idea of worthiness rather than like um, what that friend actually wants to reflect to us? Um, not, I have more friends than Obi. Okay. I just need to clarify that. I do. I'm just going to talk about him one more time, but he, yes. <laughs> um, literally cat like this morning was like, Hey, I just want to like reflect back to you that like, I am asking you questions about yourself because I know that's something that's really important to you. And it's like, you're way too busy. Every time I stop to ask you questions, it's like you are all of a sudden really busy. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you for telling me that. And also when you said it's like there's a limit to the good that we're willing to accept, I was like, that's exactly what I'm doing. It's like, well, that's exactly what I want. And that's like a little too good for me. So we're just going to kind of like take this a little bit, like bring this back to a a moderate level. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to, we're going to take this down a notch. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally the worst. They, they, in other work I've done, people are like, 
the saying is like, you'll struggle more with your goodness than with like your pain. And I'm like, no, Mm. absolutely not. And I'm like, oh, oh no, that's very true. Mm. Um, Which I think though, like if I can just notice you're talking about Obi, like you've had conflict with him. You guys have fought for Mm -hmm. things. And I'm not saying this is a direct correlation of therefore you experience this. Like that's, that's some purity culture bullshit. If we say like, if you go through the hard things then it will be great. Um, not saying that. And what what's available is this like, kind of like, um, I'm thinking of like, what does Brene Brown say, like the depth of pain, like that's where the joy is, like, you have to be willing to feel all the feels. And so the more delight in friendship, like, we're keeping like, a space of space for all of it to belong. Mm, dang, that's so good. And it's almost like we're expanding our capacity in both directions. Like, okay, to expand capacity for friendship, we're expanding our capacity for joy and pain. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because the more we're Mm -hmm. known, like many of our stories too of deepest pain that may or may not be connected to like uh, conflict, but that is, they, they actually have a shadow of like goodness in them which is how we ever like let somebody close enough to hurt us in the first place. Um, Somebody has to like Mm -hmm. buy their way in. Uh, My friend, I have a friend who has a really good phrase about that. She goes, chicken tastes better buttered. And so people who like butter you up in your history. Yeah. Um, I love her for that. And it's (laughs) so painful. Um, So in essence, in our history, we never let people close enough to hurt us unless how they somehow got a buy in. And that usually will have a connection to our goodness, to our delight, to being enjoyed. So then when we start to feel that in friendship, even that could be scary, not just pain or a crossing of boundaries or other things. Dang. Yeah. Kat, why did you choose the title? I don't know if I'm better. <laughs> Sorry, No, go ahead. you're holding space. You're, I mean, it's just a complex thing. And I love that I I – I feel like in the beginning I was like, give us all the answers. And then as Mm -hmm. we've like come through, I feel like I'm growing in response to hearing you say like, maybe we are just growing more curious and we're expanding our capacity for, Mm -hmm. you know, like that feels so Mm -hmm. lovely. Um, Why did you choose the title How to Be a Bad Friend? Yeah. Well, one, because it popped into my head in that moment which is wild. I don't know if like you, cause now you have two books out. Like when you were little, like, did you ever just like sit there and just like dream away? This is probably such a four thing. I'm just like, this is where I'd be like, I will write this book and this will be the title of it. Like, so I've had that sort of like, like really playful mm. fantasy for years. This one popped in my head and it wouldn't go away. But I think mm. also the reason I stuck with it is it's like this sense of we're always trying to be good. We're always trying to be better. We're always trying to, um, not be bad. Mm-hmm. And I think in the introduction, I say like our lives begin with trying to be good or being told to be good, to behave that as if we would like, we, ha- we need something else that I should, that is, I'm virtuing my own words. Um, <laughs> like as if we would naturally not become something good. So like we have mm-hmm. to work against our natural instincts. So it's like, what does it mean for that to be included? Cause I think our loneliness has so much more to do about the fact that whole parts of us or all of the messiness or whatever has actually been exiled from friendship rather than included. Um, And we are all really, really tired of another like 
list of psychoed things to try of scripts, like how to do this. Um, <laughs> because we just, we just want to belong and mm. for all of us to belong. Um, so I put how to be a bad friend because you, you would never want to do that. And so why not explore yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. almost like, what is it like if that part of you gets love too? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And the subtitle is, there's so much life there. Um, there's actually so much life in our failure. And I don't mean that as like, oh, I learned this so I can move on. Like if you have like, um, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Narnia, but like the wardrobe opens to another world. I would say your friend breakup is a doorway to an entire another world. Um, and so is a conflict in friendship. Like I would love for us to move from friend breakup to like, how do we do this with the friends? We're not in another relationship or in therapy talking about a friendship. How can we start to bring some movement to where we actually get to have this dialogue with each other, um, which actually will connect us more to ourselves and to our own voice. If we lose relationship, this is research from Brown, Carol Brown and or Lynn Brown and Carol Gilligan from a book called Meaning at the Crossroads, but where we lose relationship as a result of conflict, we both people lose access to their voice. Mm. So the discovery of our voice is actually found in difference, not in symbiosis Ooh. yeah so yeah. go ahead oh I was just saying yeah we we, we and that's kind of coming back to adolescence like we start to lose that as as young um adolescents in different ways for boys and socialized I mean we're socialized in that binary but socialized for female um you have to be nice and kind and quiet yeah. I remember feeling like there were like rules, like secret rules that I didn't know what they were. And mm -hmm. if I broke them, I was out. I was like ostracized. I felt like I would be ostracized. Yep. Yep. And it feels like who gets to get by with authenticity and belonging and it's very few. And even still, then I think though, actually, like you, the, the culture makes you choose. And what if we stopped making each other choose? <laughs> um, yeah, like choosing between authenticity or belonging. Yep, you get, you get to pick, but you can both. Yeah, it's really painful. <laughs> and yeah. what opportunity to take back um, something that actually I think is our birthright is to get to be who we are and to be connected to other people. Mm hmm. Kat, this was so good. It's is so there good anything to talk lingering? With you. <laughs> oh, you too. Um, anything lingering that you feel like, oh, I wish I could say this before we go? Or you want to um, end with Yeah, I mean, I always think like I I wish there's more practicality of like A, B, C, D, but like just explore, like to anyone listening, explore what you want out of friendship. We've been told a lot of things that we're supposed to want out of friendship or that we're supposed to be in friendship. So you can look at your story to see who you feel like you've been told you are, who you feel like you are, and how can you create curiosity around that for yourself? But also, what do you want out of friendship? Do you want a forever friendship? Do you want friendships where you're just doing life with people? Do you want friendships where you have depth? And like, not that you have to choose between all these things, but we've been told what we're supposed to want as opposed to getting to discover that for ourselves. So like, what does it look like for you to think about what you desire and to honor the loneliness you feel in not having that be met or in the pursuit of having it be met? 
Um, so there's that. My other lingering thing is, oh no, I don't, maybe I'm not supposed to say it. Oh, I was going to read something actually, if that's okay. Yeah, I thought I about that. this. Um, so I have my book, which I, I will say like, it's a love letter to your unconscious. So people are, it's getting feedback from people who are sharing, like, I don't know what's happening, but it was great. So it's, I want to write to the stories that you feel inside of you. So that's a place to be. But I have these friend breakup survival guides that have a little bit more actionable steps and things. But for the end of them all, I have these blessings for losing a friend. Um, and this one's been the most popular. So is it okay if I read it? Yes, please. I would love that. Okay. So this is this one is for um, living without closure. So this is called A Blessing for When a Friend Disappears. When the time elapses and the space between you widens and your heart is marked from stretching to hold the silence. May you love within you what longs for a different ending and wishes there were words to wrestle with instead of implications. May you let your mind wander and tenderly walk yourself back from the edge. Slowly, your wondering will remember beauty and your imagination will prompt new ways of belonging where conversation is shared and the quiet, once again, holds the hushed reverence of love. Mm. Just some love for anybody going through a friend breakup out there. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, How can Sarah Jane. we stay in touch? Where can people find you online? Where can they yeah. get your wonderful book? Yeah, you can find most of my stuff's all linked on Instagram at Kate Sled. Um, which is weird because I go by cat, but it's Kate Sled is the handle. And um, my website's Catherine Sled. I work with people one-on-one. Um, and I you can get my book on Amazon. That's linked on my website as well as the Instagram. And then I'm occasionally over on TikTok trying to be on their same handle. So <laughs> that's where we can hang out. And yeah, thank you so much for having me to talk about this. And thanks for the love for the book too. It means the world. Yeah. Thank you so much for writing such a lovely book and putting it out into the world and just bringing your like conscious awareness to our space. It really means a lot. And um, I'll link everything in the show notes for y'all who are listening so you can connect with Kat as well. Um, but thank you. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah Jane. So good to be with you. You too. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.